Hello, this is episode 277 and in it, I'm talking with Steve Maskell from Rescom Building Products about magnesium oxide board. Now up front, as you'll hear across my conversation with Steve, you'll learn that not all magnesium oxide boards are the same. And so knowing more about them and understanding how to select and specify them, it becomes super important. If you listened to my conversation with Yoast Backer about future food systems back in episodes 266 and 267, you'll have heard us discuss magnesium oxide board because Yoast used it in that project. And you'll have heard Yoast talk about his experience with magnesium oxide board, his extensive testing of it. He's been using it for years. Uh, He's done loads of fire testing of it. Uh, There's a a project that he did with the CSIRO that we talk about in that podcast episode and I'll pop a link to an article with some video on it that shows that particular project in the resources for this episode and you know as a result in that conversation Yoast spoke about the Rescom product the magnesium oxide board supplied by Rescom and the fact that it's the only manufacturer that he will personally source magnesium oxide board from. Now I have been getting loads of questions about magnesium oxide board particularly since those con- that conversation with Yoast but it's It's something that does come up in my arena quite a lot and people want to know how it compares to other board products that they'll conventionally use in a residential project, you know, especially products like fibre cement board externally and plasterboard internally. And I know that when you dive online to check out magnesium oxide board, it is a rabbit hole of confusing and conflicting information that really can make any homeowner and frankly, any industry professional as well, just think, oh gosh, this is the, it's got to go in the too hard basket and head back to more traditionally tested and tried materials. The thing is though, that magnesium oxide board, it just keeps getting brought up because of its seriously amazing benefits. And it's, you know, it's increasingly being seen as a viable alternative that has environmental health, fire and durability credentials. But as I said up front, not all magnesium oxide boards and products are the same. And so we're going to dive into this rabbit hole and explore it in more detail. Now, Yoast, after my conversation with him, he kindly put me in touch with Steve from Rescom Building Products. And so it's fantastic to be able to bring him onto the podcast to talk more about magnesium oxide boards and in particular what Rescom does. So Rescom Building Products Group was founded in 2009 and Rescom Cellulose Magnesia Cement Building Products, they've been used in homes and projects across New Zealand, America, Australia, UAE and Europe since 2010 and they've withstood on their projects that they're on some of the worst and extreme weather events. The properties of Rescom's patent formulation and compounds, along with the proper curing process, all of this contributes to the strength and the performance of their magnesium cement products that well exceed that of traditional FC sheet, plasterboard or drywall, and OSB or oriented strand board. Now, this this episode and the next two are a really detailed in-depth conversation into this product. I wanted to do the conversation justice, also dive into the research and the information and really arm you with the details, the terminology, the information that you need to know more about this product and also about the industry in general, you know, and you'll hear Steve discuss how much work Rescom in particular have done to test and verify the performance of this product. And, you know, we debunk some of the myths and go into a lot of detail about it. Now, if you'd like to grab a full transcript of this episode, plus information on the resource that I uh, have to share as well as um, you know I've got some extra information there you can do that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 277 that's the numbers 277 now let's dive in 
I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia, and I recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to elders both past and present. If we haven't met before, I'm Amelia Lee. Based in northern New South Wales, Australia, I'm a wife, mum and architect, and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid-2014, I started Undercover Architect, and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands, tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about levelling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious and you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take and the best way to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with and whatever your location, your budget or your dreams. Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money and stress in your reno or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. Now, let's get on to the episode. Before we jump into the conversation, let me share with you some background information about Steve Muskell from Rescom. So Steve is an accomplished multidiscipline professional with extensive hands-on experience in project management, procurement, (laughs) I always struggle with that word, procurement, FF&E, due diligence, specification for resorts and hotels, real estate project development and implementation. And Steve established the MGO Court Board in Australia in 2009 which is now known as Rescom Building Products, as the first internal and external lining commodity to receive official JAS, ANZ, Australia and New Zealand federal government approval for use in residential and commercial buildings. Now, this episode, part one of my conversation with Steve, it begins with him talking more about his background and of how Rescom came to be and some of the challenges and learnings that he's had in producing magnesium oxide board. We also dive into what magnesium oxide board is and its multitude of benefits. You'll hear more about that. And then over this and the next few episodes, we really kind of dive into how you can use this product. You know, it's actually been around for a long, long time and I want to share with you how it can be used and what to be aware of when selecting and specifying it for your project. As a side note, you'll hear Steve talk about OMEs. So this is when you get someone else to make your product for you. Rescom used to do this, but they now directly manufacture all of their own product through partnerships that they've established. So Uh, Remember as well that you can grab a free PDF transcript of this episode. You'll also find the resources there as well. And all of that's available at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 277. 
Well, Steve, I'm super excited to have you here on the podcast and we've had lots of conversations in the lead up to over email and, and uh, obviously on the phone in the lead up to us having this this chat about magnesium oxide and its application as a building material, both internally and externally in residential um, projects. And I am really, really looking forward to sharing your knowledge, your expertise and your experience with the undercover architect community, because I know you have a wealth of information and data that's backed by research and your own testing and your own investment in obviously demonstrating the, the viability and the performance of your product at ResCom. I'm wondering before we dive in, if you can just share a little bit about, you know, how you came to actually create ResCom, a bit, a bit about your background uh, and, and why you chose magnesium oxide board as the thing that you were going to do with your life and your work. Uh, thanks, Amelia. Look, I don't know if I chose it. I think it may have chose me, you know, and thank you very much for the opportunity coming on and, and discussing it with you openly and with the audience as well, because there's there's a lot to know and and it's, it is a, a great material after you work through it. Um, how I came to know about this thing called magnesium oxide board was back in 2008-9 and it was introduced to me by one of my clients who I was doing fit outs of hotels and motels uh, for up in the Northern Territory. You know, from that I was doing FF&E and fit outs of resorts and, and those type of things. I wasn't dealing with this uh, thing called magnesium oxide board. You know, from there, you know, basically I brought it back. I put it into my other company, which was called One Stop Project Solutions at the time. And I parked it. I thought, well, okay, green sustainable material, um, I'll park it. So long story short, my main focus was on reverse value engineering, development, construction, and so forth like that, and the fit outs of resorts and hotels. When GFC came along, um, I didn't need any architectural reverse value engineering services. I didn't need, nobody was doing fit outs of hotels and resorts. Nobody was needing FF&E and so forth. And FF&E is not swearing, by the way, either. So it's furniture fixtures and equipment. So I kept looking at this little piece of uh, so-called magnesium board that was given to me uh, by my client. And he told me to take that down the east coast of Australia because everybody would need to build with eventually. And I didn't know what it was. And so well, you didn't have a good look down the corridor. So the Darwin Airport Inn and the Darwin Airport Resort. And after that, you came into, you know, the detention centres in Darwin and a lot, a lot of projects up there that are built with the product that I had originally supplied to me. So Owen Mead to me. Okay. So what that means is they were, I was actually getting their product and bringing that product in and um, basically using that brand. And it was one of the very few companies, only two that I could name that actually had any testing or data to back up their claims of performance of this so-called magnesium oxide board. Okay. Long story short, meeting with a couple of architects and developers, uh, one of my friends said to me, Steve, you know, you're starting to look like a secondhand car salesman you know, how much more things you've got coming out of your, your bag when you're sitting down. Well, I parked the company, parked that uh, that piece of board and that side and left it on the website. And when GFC came along, I kept going back to things. What, what am I going to do? I'm hemorrhaging, business is going backwards. If this, and I kept picking up this little piece of magnesium board. And, you know, that's why I say, I think it, it chose me more than me choosing it. Uh, and I, I kept thinking, well, if this material is as good as what they say it is, uh, this could change building and construction for how we know it 
for benefits around the world, not just for, you know, doing what uh, they were doing in the territory, but also bring it to the marketplace. And I thought, okay, where do I go with it from here? And I thought putting a piece of wallboard or sailing board was going to be easy. You know, how hard can it be to put a piece of plasterboard or fibre cement sheet on a building? Well, I always say to the people, um, if I'd only known, I would have went and drove a garbage truck. Um, that's where Pandora's box opened up and you started going, well, okay, here it is. The only thing I could try to make work was this piece of magnesium board. And I thought if it is half as good as what they say, knowing my drive and enthusiasm when I believe in something, then I could actually make this work into a company in GFC. At the same time, deliver something that's going to effectively help people in their, their lives moving forward and leave a legacy behind, okay? So that's, that's where the journey started and I picked this product up, but then I started realizing there was no MSDSs, so storage and handling documents didn't exist. There was no proper installation manuals or guidelines towards the application of the materials. Had anybody also assessed the fit for purpose application of this material into in situ build construction? Because that's a big statement. You know, is it just a wall board or is it a structural flooring board or is it on a structural insulated panel? Is it going to be laminated? All of these things I had to go through then and literally become, like we've spoken, Amelia, the doctor of this industry because there was so much to know, okay? The journey wasn't easy, but I, I couldn't break through. I was trying to get accepted through, through the ABCB under the National Construction Code. Um, I kept getting uh, uh, coming up against the walls in that that section as well. And eventually a friend of mine, a builder friend of mine said to me, have you ever heard of Codemark? And I went, well, no, I hadn't heard of Codemark. So that introduced me to Codemark. And I went through uh, with the company that was owing me for me. And we became the first Codemark or certified company under the, National Australia, uh, the NCC, National Construction Code of Australia um, and New Zealand to be actually Codemark compliant for our exterior and interior linings completely, not just an opinion based. So back in those days, James Hardy was really the only one that actually had a couple of uh, Codemark or certi Codemark certifications, uh, one in New Zealand and one in Australia. So I opened up and started that journey through, got code compliance, and then I started bringing in the material, bought the first lot of structural flooring into uh, one of my, my friends here as a builder on the Sunshine Coast. Well, that ended up going in the garbage chip calendar because it wasn't what I was led to believe it was. So it shattered. And I went, how could that be? So the alarm bell started ringing and a couple of other things happened along the way. And eventually I ended up, I'm, I'm going to short circuit all the way along. There was a few more alarm bells and I didn't stop and just, I, I, sorry, I did stop. I just didn't keep going like a lot of the other companies have. And just, they didn't stop. They just thought this product's great. We'll throw it in the marketplace. It'll do what it says it does or what somebody else told us it would do. I had to stop because it was on my bank account. It was on my checkbook. Nobody else was going to warrant this. And if anything went wrong, I've always had a saying in the company when I founded the company, it's only cheap until it fails. And every architect I speak to in the world, they have a great laugh about that because it is, it's only cheap until it fails. It's cheap to put it up. It's cheap to finish and paint it, but damn, it's expensive to pull it down and replace it. Okay, and uh, insurance companies don't look that too well on it. So I had to pull back, 
take my time. And I had to uh, literally over the last 15 years completely reverse engineer this so-called magnesium oxide board to the point that, like I've said to you, Amelia, I don't believe in this word magnesium oxide board. It's generalized. Uh, it's like saying, like we're saying earlier on, uh, it's like saying to the guy that owns a Ferrari that his uh, Ferrari is the same as a Hyundai. Okay, they're not, you can't generalize all vehicles the same and you shouldn't generalize this wonder material magnesium oxide board either because there's so many variables. And sadly, not a lot of companies, I could probably, I'd struggle to fill one hand in the world of actually gone through and engineered and re-evolved the product to actually be in situ, fit for purpose in multiple faceted applications, not just one, okay? So that's, you know, that's a short circuit. There was a lot to learn along the way. Um, and there's a lot of propaganda and a lot of the so-called things said in the marketplace. And it's been a hell of a journey, that's for sure. <laughs> but I'm here today and I'm smiling. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to you talking about the different products that you have available and how they can be utilized in a residential project. Cause I know that you've got a different, a few different types of boards for different applications, but first I'm wondering if we can just wind back a bit and actually help people understand a bit more about what magnesium oxide board actually is, you know, what it's made from, what does it physically sort of look like, how heavy it is, you know, people are obviously going to be very familiar with fiber cement sheet board and with plasterboard, which are sort of the two most commonly used kind of board products in uh, the residential marketplace. Uh, how does magnesium oxide board sort of vary in look and feel and, and weight to those kinds of things? And what is it actually physically made from? It's, it's, an, uh, it's basically, uh, if we look at, uh, and I've got to try to break this away from generalize, you know, keep it in generalized and also take it to where it really is. Magne magnesite itself is one of the most common used materials in the world in a lot of things, not just um, this thing we call magnesium oxide board, but, you know, making mag wheels for cars, aluminiums, the, the engine blocks for cars, um, having magnesium tablets to, to help with your aches and pains as you get older. I have a few of those, by the way. <laughs> um, you know, all of these things make up and so many different things. Magnesite is actually one of the biggest used common materials that a lot of people don't know in every range from pharmaceutical to medical to engineering, uh, also then through to building materials. What's the difference of that magnesium used in the board? Nothing when it comes to, when it's in the ground. It's the same. It's how it's refined, how it's refracted, um, its quality then when it's done. Now, most, well, that's where all magnesium boards start. They come out of the ground in magnesite. Um, when I say it's got to be calcined and, and clean, what I'm saying there is when they refract it, it actually gets rid of all the, the impurities and the you know different things on it. I say that a lot of people, a little bit like cleaning your teeth, you know, you can clean them half or you can spend another five minutes and have them shining. That's getting to the purity of magnesite that's used. Okay. So not, if we got, say, 10 magnesium oxide board manufacturing companies and we put all of their products in a row the scary thing they're all going to look the same this is a, this is a hard thing for the consumer what do they uh, recognize and how do they recognize good from bad and and that's really really a complex situation which i've had to work through for the years 
but they look the same. They're, you know, usually a good, a good board is nice and smooth on the face. So the smooth is on the outer side. Uh, on the other side, any high quality manufacturer is sanding their board. Okay. I shouldn't say, I shouldn't put them all in one basket because there are a fair few that are sanding that aren't high quality as well. But you won't have the, what you'll read in the, the data and here on the internet, there's a thing called wolfering cloth. So on the back of those boards is like a cloth and uh, it's very thin. But what it does is that's the only thing that holds that board together structurally. So go back to what I was talking about earlier on about breaking and various things. And what I had to go through is that you found out quickly that they weren't in reinforcing the materials and they were, they were relying on this outer layer at the back to actually like act like a bit of a uh, paper, like on plasterboard, okay? Because uh, if you don't have paper on plasterboard, it's falling to pieces. Okay, that's the end, end of the story. It's I say plasterboard is like having a, a, a shirt with holes in it on a sun, sunny day. It's not really doing much for you. So it's smooth on the outside, sanded on the back usually, but then we've got to go to the raw materials used in the, in the product. And that's where the consumer is going to be completely blind. Because like my company, we're not going to give up our patented formulations because over the years, we've had to reverse engineer and revalue and actually change the, the formulation to be what it is today. And we, we're not going to give the Colonel Sanders herbs and spices away, okay? Your board sheets are similar to what um, fiber cement sheet are. They're 1,200 wide by up to three metres. So they are restricted in length because 99% of magnesium, well, in Australia, all magnesium oxide boards are manufactured uh, overseas. They're not manufactured here. Um, so you don't fit uh, three metre end-to-end in a 24 container. So you'll have uh, 2,400, 2,700 and three metre length boards. That's pretty much general across the world. America, of course, is there in the Imperial. So they're 1,220 by up to 3,050. Okay, so that's usually your sizings pretty much. They come custom sized. They come in different densities as well. I, I've seen a lot of data in the early days when I started this, there's a statement out there said that, you know, magnesium oxide boards are light, okay? No, not a good quality one, they're not, okay? So I break it down really easily. If you want something light, like a sponge cake, Okay, it's very fluffy. Its density is very light when you talk about that to a cement or a drywall or something like that. Okay, but if we want something that's going to be a, a, a more durable and resistance to various things, we talk about a mud cake, then it's very dense. Okay, so fiber cement sheet usually runs around about one, one, 1,400 grams per cubic meter. So density, you'll see some magnesium boards at 600, some at 700. That's very, very light. I would never trust it. Never trust it. Not in situ. It might be good um, as a general interior lining, but you would never want to put it in the wrong location uh, in, in a building, that's for sure. Okay. So a dense, uh, you've got to look at your density then on the board that you're buying, and they should be somewhere between 1,000 and 1,300 in density wide. Okay. So they're not light. They're not light. But from an architect's perspective, I'll make a contradictory statement. Is that more so not, so, not so much in residential, but in commercial buildings, applications, apartment, uh, high-rise and, and duplex applications, 
is that you've got multiple layers of, dry, of plasterboard. So it could be two layers of uh, 13 mil or 16 mil either side of a wall. It could be three layers. It could be a layer of a drywall and a layer of fiber cement sheet to give more impact or protection. So when we start talking about that, when now uh, um, multiplying materials becomes heavier, doesn't it? Okay. So if we look at that and we come back to a good high density, high quality magnesium cement board, Yes, it's going to be lighter than the overall combination of two, but it's not going to be lighter than it's on its own. So when we look at a, a 13 mil or a 10 mil standard plasterboard, they only weigh something in the vicinity of around about, uh, what is it, six odd kgs per square metre, where a 10 mil high quality magnesium board or magnesium cement board will weigh around about 13 kgs. Okay, and they go up. Of course, when you get structural flooring, you're looking at 20, 27, 28 kgs per square meter. Gotcha. Okay. And is it a is it a mud that's cooked and then pressed, or how's it physically sort of made um, in terms of turning it into those boards? Yeah, no, it's not like fibre cement sheet in a hatch system that comes out and it's pressed in, and you've got little pieces of paper that goes between them. Okay, so there's a big difference between a Portland cement. Uh, and a, a typical hardy, uh, like I shouldn't say that, but the typical fibre cement sheet boards you see on your home, there's been over the years, huge amount of issues with, uh, you know, delamination because of coldness or when you're cutting the boards as well. Uh, That's with fibre cement. Yeah, yeah, they get uh, in between, because it's like this, you've got grooves there that have got little pieces of cardboard or paper in there and they're, they're pressed together okay and they're heated that way. That's how they make those through the hatch system. So if you've got moisture that can get in and that over time and, you know, they break down. This is why also you can find a lot of mould on and that greenish tinging happening on cement boards and so forth, where a good quality magnet, I can't say all of them. Again, I've got to warn people, just be careful. A good quality magnesium mud is basically it's a mud. So it's a slurry. So if we look as though we're pouring our cement slab at home and we've got rebar through it, okay? So we've got all the, the mesh down and sitting up on hats and we're pouring the, the mud in. That's not too dissimilar to how we make the magnesium cement board. Okay, so we mix the mud, we've got it all, we've got the cake mix fine, we've made sure we put the right amount of eggs in it, it's all good, <laughs> and we start pouring it and it runs out onto the moulds, and then we're layering, specifically layering into that uh, high tensile fibre mesh, and it's a special mesh, it's not just a normal one, and again, that's a warning sign for people because they don't know what's in that type of mesh, okay? So the mesh goes in and we layer those, and it all goes like a, like a literally like a rebar. We lay them and we use a five millimetre by five millimetre gap and it flows down and it beds into each other. And then it goes off on its tray and it goes into a two-stage curing process. We, you'll see a lot of pictures on the internet and you'll see these MGO companies with their curing, it's out in the, it's out on the uh, open land and it's using natural air to cure it and that. There's no control mechanism there. It needs to. We have temperature controlled rooms, okay? And it's only a matter of a couple of degrees up or down uh, that can make a huge difference. So we're very scientific in how we do that, okay? So in the middle of summer, if it's even too hot outside and we can't control the temperature of the 
the uh, the curing room itself, we'll actually shut down production because it's curing too fast. Uh, winter, we don't seem to have a problem because we've got it all temperature controlled, which is really good, but summer can actually be quite an issue that cures too fast. Then you get the companies that don't do that and they pack them in a pallet. So they'll palletize them, wrap them all up and they self-cure in the container while they're heading to a, a customer. Oh, that sounds fraught with disaster, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, it's... Uh, look, um, imagine just like the cocktail of mole of like what happens with moisture is sort of sitting in a humid environment whilst things are, yeah, I can't imagine that that's super healthy. It is. There's a thing that uh, a lot of people have questioned about, and, and you did raise this in a question to me as well the other day, Amelia, and that was about this crying and sweating about magnesium boards. Well, don't dive into that yet. We want to get to that after we've um, covered some other info, but yeah. When they're self, when they're self, uh, self um, uh, curing in a pallet, the moisture, the water's coming out of them, isn't it? So they're turning up at the customers welded together. Yeah, oh, I can it's imagine. Crazy. It's crazy. I've seen some photos from Miami, Florida a couple of months ago where one of my clients, that went, they went rogue and went to another product and then came back to us, you know, and uh, some of the things that they had to deal with with the product they went to, because it was cheaper than Rescom, okay? So let's go buy the cheap one. And yeah, they paid the panel. They sent me the photos of pallets of their board, their magnesium sulfate board welded together. Oh, wow. Yeah, so. Oh, gosh. So, so obviously. It goes, it's, it goes, it's, sorry, so it goes through two lots of curing, then trimming, then quality control, quality assurance. ISO standards only require you to take three samples per batch. Okay, so one at start, one at middle, one at end. Rescon, we decided, I wrote all the ISO standards. for. We have our own manufacturing now since 2013. I forgot to tell you that as well. We we don't have OMEs for us. We OME for other people now, not, not for us, okay? So we, have, we take eight random samples per customer order, not three per batch. So if there's 10 customers, there's... 80 samples and we do a full quality assurance check through right all the way through the whole process from start to finish and it's you know that's turned out to be a very very good thing uh, in our quality assurance levels moving forward and you know it's a pity the industry doesn't have that but we are governed by the ISO standards of cement board manufacture which is the same as fiber cement and so forth but um, yeah that's it's a big process, but it's if it's done right, it's very good. No, that sounds, and thank you for taking us through the detail of that. It's obviously then curing at quite a low temperature. So that's not using using massive amounts of embodied energy to cook it at a, at a high temperature from what that sounds like. No, look, making, unlike the other drywall type products, we're 80% and more less um, energy to make them what, say, fibre cement sheet, uh, Portland cement type products are. So all the way through the process now, also water reticulation and water, you know, because we're using water, we're making a mud, okay? So it's a pretty, used to be a very messy, very, very messy process. Back in 2000, I'm just trying to get the cobwebs out of my mind, I think it was about 2017, Xu Xuping made a statement up in China that uh, that on the Friday night or Saturday, well, I think it was closing of the G20, that they were going to take immediate actions towards, uh, you know, a lot of the dust and greenhouse gases and so forth. Well, they tried that a year before and we thought that was a bit of, yeah, okay, we had time. Well, I can tell you on the Monday morning, they closed down the industries across China. 
we were one of them, okay, you know, one of hundreds of thousands of industries. They came in with environmental police and they gave us pieces of paper and said, you have to conform to this, you've got 12 months, it was 100 points, okay. Uh, we were one of the few companies that were back open in less than a week, which was really cool. We had a couple of things to answer to, uh, to do, so that was cool. Halfway through it, we were kicked over in guff. One of the greatest things I love, I absolutely love, is that the water recycling that we do now, we recycle all of our water and it goes all the way through the recycling back and it's actually cleaner coming back in than when we start using it from the water supply. Wow. So like anybody that's been to China and knows don't drink the water because <laughs> like being to Bali, you're going to get Bali belly, okay? Well, guess what? In our factory, you can actually drink the water when it's recycled. I wouldn't do it before it, but I drink After it. manufacture. Yeah. That's <laughs> amazing. But it, it's really cool. I'm very proud of my partners, very proud of our manufacturing, what we've evolved over the years. It's really good. Brilliant. Now, can we talk through some of the benefits of the magnesium oxide board? And again, I know that we're talking about this material generally and not all magnesium board is equal. Um, however, as a material and a choice for a, um, for a homeowner, it does have particular benefits that, you know, put it ahead of other types of board products. Can you just go through some of those in terms of, you know, how it might perform for mold and, and vapor permeability, um, fire performance, its recyclability. Yoast on my interview with him talking about magnesium oxide board and his use of it in his own projects touched on a lot of this information. I'd love if you could share some of the benefits that you know it has. We've got a lot of really a homeowner community that are very focused on the health and well-being of the occupants in their home plus the the sustainability of their homes uh, and the contribution that they make to um, impacting climate change so really keen to hear more detail about how magnesium oxide board might play into this yeah look it's it's a pretty cool product it, it actually you know over the years and it still challenges me sometimes does my head in sometimes how can you have this mud that's so good okay but how can you have this mud that's so good it's still struggling to get in the marketplace and we've discussed that the bigger industry keeps the the innovative materials down quite substantially um, because they can't compete with a high quality performance magnesium uh, cement board okay they just can't compete uh, and, and that's a big statement. So if we look at OSB, more so in America, OSB, uh, it's used more embracing and so forth here. So oriented strand board. Yep, yep. that's right. If we look at uh, fibre cement sheet and we look at plasterboard or drywall products, if you've got American people listening, the all of those products, they mould. Every one of those products mould. Magnesite or magnesium without saying it's a good, bad or a bad board, okay, magnesite doesn't adhere mold. It's a natural inhibitor. So that's cool, okay? So, but then I have seen some people try to discredit a magnesium board and say there's mold, but you find and you dig down and they've put a sandwich or something on the surface of the magnesium board. Of course, the sandwich is going to mold, isn't it? Okay, but did it adhere through the actual the board? And the answer is no. Okay, keep an eye out when you're looking at a magnesium board, because there are sample, uh, examples, and I've got examples on the, the Denmark, Sweden, which is of showing mold on the one of the magnesium board samples, because it had quite large pieces of timber or chipboard in the mixture in the mud. Okay, 
So again, if you put contaminants in your material, you're going to have potentials of issues. So it comes down again in quality. So never buy a product unless it's got independent testing and independent uh, certification and all of these type of things. Make sure they've got that. But also from a, a, a consumer's point of view, one of the big steps that I took many years ago, and, and a, a lady by the name of Denise Staff in, in America, she busted my chops for many years okay and she's a, a sustainability advocate she's um, a, a very high respected compliance person in that space um, well denise basically broke me uh, in around about 2016-17 at the ibs conference in america and said stephen if you want your product to be accepted uh, more wide base than uh, where you are and what the industry says, then you need to have a high level of um, credibility and, and certification for your material. So she goes tongue in cheek, I believe what you've got to say, but I don't care what you've got to say because I can't see it on a piece of paper. So what she was alluding to is that we needed to have better, better a higher level of uh, compliance, recognizable compliance to back up the statements of the, you know, these non-toxic materials, uh, all of this type of stuff. And that led us down the, the path and quite an extensive path of review and everything else, you know, the factory, the materials, every, all the, every down to the ingredients of everything else of the material, and we were actually awarded then, and I believe we're still the only company, I stand to be corrected, but I'd like to be corrected if it's wrong, the only company in the magnesium cement board industry in the world that actually has health HPDs, health product declarations, okay, uh, registered on healthproduct.org in America. And we've not long uh, gone through the review of that again for the next stage of that. And only this morning, I just received the final declaration statement for the HPD updates. So uh, we do have those. It's it's really important. So and what does that actually mean if a homeowner is sort of looking um, at a material for that? Non-toxicity. A lot of people talk about T, uh, VOCs, volatile organic compounds, or TVOCs in America. Well, Rescom has zero uh, volatile organic compounds. And we had an argument in Australia for a long time. This person remained nameless. Uh, I use ALS Global around the world because they are global and they're very, very good. And when I went back to ALS Global and said, Australia wants a TVOC, ALS Global in Brisbane said, are you kidding me, Steve? You've got no volatile organic compounds in your product. Why do they want a T? T means total volatile organic compounds <laughs> when it's zero. But that, <laughs> that's just part of the journey, isn't it? So there's no no volatile organic compounds. It's not putting off gases, which is really, really good. Um, if you're getting into um, performance in, uh, say, a flood zone, okay, um, we're coming into our wet seasons now in winter. Also with the cold and that, we're going to have heaters on the inside. We've got moisture and mould building up in cavities of walls and roofs and so forth. You, you've got a, a material that breathes, it, it'll actually breathe and dry, okay, in and out and dry. It's really crazy because it's water impermeability will stop, a good product will stop the water coming through, okay, uh, but it still allows it to breathe out and dry. Now, I don't know if the listeners have ever delved into GeoSwan or the, uh, the book called Breathing Walls, okay, but it's really, you know, George Swanson, I got to know George, uh, you know, going back, oh, wow, too long ago now, 16, 17 years ago when I started this journey. And um, 
it's really worthwhile listening to what he he's got to say about you know breathing homes and breathing material and the number one material he comes back to all the time is magnesium cement board which is pretty cool okay yeah so, so that's that vapor permeability isn't it where that moisture has the opportunity to dry out which is so essential for the the linings of our home so that you know, as humans, we're obviously producing liters of moisture through sweat, through breathing, um, and then through cooking and showering and all of that kind of stuff on a daily basis for the for the walls of our homes um, to not behave like glass does or like metal does, where just that water heats and condensates, but to actually enable that that vapor to pass through the walls into a cavity where it can then dry external to um, to our wall framing and to our insulation and um, that type of thing, so it doesn't sit there and rot. So. In terms of the recyclability of the material, you know, waste products, how does that um, get, you know, how does that that measure up? Really good because, again, the ingredients that are used in the making of the mud are non-toxic, okay? So they, they don't, they're not harmful to the environment. So, you know, the UK, many years ago, there was a, a client in the UK, they were really, really cool. They actually had these little mini crushes that they took onto the building sites. So they'd actually grind up the, the waste material. They'd that, add that in with Portland cement. So just your general mixture cement. And they'd make that into a render to core fill either the, you know, the block walls or whatever else as well. Oh, so there wow. was, yeah, yeah. I, I loved it. I thought it was yeah. really, really cool. If, because if you can get rid of the build material in recycling it and using it again, that, that's fantastic for everything, for the environment and for the, the whole build site. The, you know, I, I like that idea. So, but again, if you go and take it and you throw it in the, the local rubbish dump, okay, it's not like Portland cement's not going to break down. It's, it's a different type of formula. That's, that's there for life, okay? The magnesite will break down eventually and, and disseminate back into the ground, but it's not going to contaminate back in the ground. We don't have silicosis issues or those type of things. What is, that, the, is there a silica content in it? Uh, there's a minor silica content because we're using the high tensile fiberglass woven mesh in it, okay? So it's very minor outside, like it's not even in the contaminant area. It doesn't even rate. I think we've got a uh, 0.22 of something um, in that. And that's also covered in our HPDs as well, by the way. Yeah. So, because yeah. well, this is the thing every building material that we kind of work with, bar timber, contains silica. So, it's one of these things of just uh, homeowners being able to assess what the yeah. silica content is um, yeah. and that it's then being managed properly on site. So, Oh, that's right. Look, we don't want to have an issue of uh, what we've seen in the, the past of, you know, asbestos and FC sheet still has a huge issue with, uh, with uh, silica as well. You know, look at what finally the reports came out on um, uh, man-made, uh, you know, uh, bench tops and all stone. that type stuff. Yeah. yeah. So. With the, can you talk to me about the fire performance of it? Because obviously that's a massive advantage. Yost touched on that in terms of what he'd seen and his own testing for the fire performance uh, for magnesium oxide board. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I was involved with Yost when he did his bushfire uh, building down uh, in Victoria and did the, the testing there. That was a great result. But uh, look, I, I'm even 10 times worse than that. I, I really have absolutely done virtually every test you can think of in regards to fire and impact and water and mold so it's a it's a difficult thing but the thing is if we look at the comparity between uh, fc uh, or a normal cement board and a plasterboard uh, and a magnet magnesite 
again, magnesium has an amazing ability to absorb and release energy. Okay, so I use an example of a test that happened in 2016 down in Canberra of two leading FC products that exploded within seven minutes. And they're in a, in, in a paper that I presented in Germany a few years ago uh, to the global boards industry, horrified the cement board uh, people that were at that conference. Here's the pictures of your product exploding in seven minutes. And just think about that. I just said that it's exploding in seven minutes and you've got a bushfire coming at your house. You've got no protection. It's, if that bushfire is full on, it cracks and breaks. And this is why things, brand new homes, burn to the ground. So it's really important to have the right insulation in the cavity, the right lining board. Well, down on that test in 2016, both of those failed, but they, I didn't know, but they also did ResCom down there at the same time. And, you know, 30 minutes later, we're still there, not seven minutes. 10 mil board's still there, Okay. We've done amazing testing over the years now with uh, you know, our 12 mil board on systems. Now, when we look at our national construction code and our building, it's all about systems, not about independent, uh, individual elements and components. We're told that, aren't we? You must build with that product. Now, if I said to you that plasterboard fire rated products, I'm using fire rated, and fiber cement sheet fire rated products aren't A1 non-combustible, they're A2, so they're semi-non-combustible. How are they getting used on your buildings? You shouldn't be putting something that's semi-non-combustible on your buildings, that's semi. You're relying then on the insulation and the subframe to protect your building. You might as well put plastic on the outside. When you're putting ResCom out there, I can't speak for others because they dehydrate. When we look at some of the other types of magnesium board, they will be water impermeable, they'll be zero VOCs, but they'll dehydrate and they'll crack and they'll break very fast as well, okay? We can only speak about ours. So we've been in the, the bushfires and we've survived every single one of them. You know, Yoast can say that as well. We've been in hurricanes and impacts over in all around the east coast of America since 2012, never had one building uh, actually damaged in any of those hurricanes that have happened. That's a pretty big statement, isn't it? We've had our own mini Grenfell Tower in Brisbane, okay? The fire never got out of the storage room. How good's that? So it, the, the, our product has an amazing ability to absorb the energy and release the energy and retain its integrity at the same time. And it, what it's called is calorific value. So any of those people online that are wanting to learn about ability of a product to absorb and release energy, I learned about this little word called calorific values, and I only knew Jenny Craig for calories. I didn't know about this other <laughs> one. Okay. So it's it when I applied that, and it's actually in one of the documents on the website too, which I presented in overseas. When I found out about calorific values and its ability in a build system, I've actually broken it down on that in that document. It's mind-blowing. And it, that's exciting. Yeah. And that's what magnesium has compared to a lot of building materials. Everything has a calorific value. Every single thing has one. Okay. That's amazing. And that's it for part one of my conversation with Steve. Now, in the next episode, Steve and I talk specifically about the application of magnesium oxide boards, uh, where you use them, what kind to use, what you need to know about the installation of them, you know, ideas and things like that. I've also got some resources uh, on that episode that I'll share with you that will show you the different types of board products that ResCom make and how they can look when they're installed. So uh, you can, for the next episode, check out those links and be able to watch 
watch some of that content. And remember, you can grab a downloadable transcript of this episode for free and the links uh, for resources and things like that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 277. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time. Just a reminder, all content on this podcast is provided by Undercover Architect for reference purposes and as general guidance. It does not take into account specific circumstances and should not be relied on in that way. You should seek independent verification or advice before relying on this content in any circumstances, including but not limited to circumstances where loss and damage may result. The views and opinions of any guests on the podcast are solely their own and may not reflect the views of Undercover Architect. Undercover Architect endeavours to publish content that is accurate at the time it is published, but does not accept responsibility for content that may or has become inaccurate over time. Thank you.